What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. show i am your host eric salagi if you've had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com make sure to follow us on instagram and facebook both at uncomfortable podcast 65 and please remember to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you can please share the show with others that's the number one thing that you can do to get uncomfortable popping up as a recommended in new listener feeds. The more people we get listening, the more experiences we'll have to share in. In the show notes, you will find the link for the Uncomfortable Discord server. Join up. It's free. We've been having a lot of fun with that. Friday night campfires where I go live. Um, Just been an awful lot of fun. And hopefully tonight's show will give you a, a pretty good idea, a snapshot of what a typical campfire is. I recently posted and asked people to bring with them a local lore or legend uh, or scary story of where they either grew up or where they currently live. And uh, tonight's show is the result of that. So, lastly... Keep your eyes open because I'm looking at some place in the middle of next month to the end of the month. I will be announcing the launch of the uncomfortable Patreon. 
I've had a number of you reach out to me and ask how you can help support the show. This is going to be the way you can do it. Uncomfortable Patreon will be the only place that you can access Uncomfortable Afterthoughts. Afterthoughts is going to be a video companion to the normal broadcast. It will not just be a regular video version of that week's show. It will be in addition to a show. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but I can tell you I've not seen any other show doing anything quite like this. Um, And I think it's the best way that I can think of to repay your kindness in wanting to help support the show. Now, with that out of the way, let's get into tonight's episode. the guy that had that Bigfoot story um, out of Tiller, which is about 30 miles away from here. A um, couple of years ago, my wife, I'll tell this story if you're, if you're recording right now. This I'm cool with this. Okay, so my wife and her friend, this is goofy as shit. They decide, all right, we're going to go camping. And I'm just sitting there thinking, all right, yeah, that's cool. Not a problem. I grew up in the mountains. Um, I spent a ridiculous amount of time in western Montana. So I know mountains. Very, very comfortable in them. And uh, so my wife's friend, she takes her boyfriend. And, of course, my wife brings me. And I'm the pack mule for this God awful suck that I'm about to go through that I see coming. And we're like, I said, we're about 30 miles away from where I live now. And uh, we're headed up to this place called fish Lake. I think it was Colleen. I don't know if she's in the chat right now, but um, she found it on a map and, yeah, that I Google her that that is the lake. So we get up there. I'm weighed down with about 110 pounds worth of crap. I don't need. I'm not happy. And I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with the uh, Cascade Mountains, but I'm full on trucking through about three and a half miles of Oregon suck. And I'm not happy. We get to the lake. Finally, I drop everything and immediately throw up the tent, get everything going. You know, I'm pretty comfortable with the mountains. And I look over and the two ladies are staring at a shadowy figure across the lake that's kind of walking back and forth. And I'm thinking, all right, I'll check that out in a moment. Finish setting up the tent. I look over. The other guy, he's half blitzed on a third of a bottle of tequila. He's ready to go. And uh, I turn around and I look and I start watching and I see it go back and forth 
this lake is not terribly big. And I've seen a lot of the uh, undergrowth on that side is because we were really, really close to that side of the lake because it kind of opens up like a V. And uh, that the shadowy figure that was walking in between the trees was about seven and a half, eight and a half foot tall. And I was like, all right, well, that's weird. But, you know, whatever. Shadows move sometimes. In my personal experience, I've seen that sort of thing. And then it let out a howl. And, okay, that sounded like in primate. And I made that, like, very audible observation right there. It, that just blurted right out of my mouth. And my wife, she turns around, she looks at me, she's like, how the f- do you know that sounds like a primate? I was like, well, when I was... This sounds a bit ridiculous, but the company that I used to work for, we did some relief work in Ethiopia. We were flying out of Ethiopia into South Sudan, dropping off uh, relief supplies to one of the UN refugee camps in South Sudan. We were doing four trips a day, but every day started off the same way. The fire department would run down the runway and they'd chase off the baboons. This thing sounded like a ginormous baboon. And that was like, oh crap, that's awesome. And in my infinite wisdom in that moment, I turned around. This sounds absolutely silly, but this actually did happen. And I looked at my wife's friend. I was like, you said you brought mushrooms. She's like, yeah, here you go. I took a big old monkey paw of that, and I was tripping balls for the rest of the night. And uh, so I saw that shadow massive it was big walking in between trees heard the howl and now here i am tripping balls laying on the side of this lake about 15 feet from the water and i'm watching stars pop like sparklers and just enjoying the show watching the clouds do their little swirly swirl thing as they do going over the mountains and uh It smells like a skunk is walking through camp. But we have skunks all the time, so it's not very, very distinctly a skunk. And me and the missus, we turn around. We got flashlights going. We're not seeing anything. About 100 yards down the way, there's uh, another group of campers that took a different trail to get to the lake. They were set up. They were about 100 yards away. But we were dealing with this flat-out funky smell. But prior to dealing with that smell, her friend and uh, her boyfriend went off because she needed to relieve herself, and she didn't want to be alone for the entire thing, which is entirely understandable because there are cougars all over the area. It's just littered with them and uh 
She comes back. She's like, what's that smell? Did you guys have Squatch come through the camp? I'm like, I don't know. It's funky. It's funky as all hell. So I'm tripping balls. We can't find anything that leads to the smell. There's a sound of lapping water, and there's no wind. We can't figure out what's lapping up the water. We're cruising all along the lake. There's no dog in the area at all. Shit's just flat out goofy. And I'm like, you know what, this, I'm throwing my hands up. I'm kind of done. I'm laying back down on the bank right next to the lake. And I look up and I'm just this. I'm going to go back to the sparklers in the sky. And then I see this dancing light go back and forth. It's not like anything else. It is like uh, the one unique thing that is in the sky. It is just doing something that is contrary to everything else. And that mixed with the Sasquatch, I'm assuming it's a Sasquatch. I don't know for sure. On the other side of the lake, the goofy-ass smell on our side of the lake all that shit left me with a lot of questions. And then the next day, weather was moving in. Me and the wife decided to pack that god-awful thing that I had to throw on my back out of there. And it was just a miserable shit show. And then we got a flat tire on the way out. So, you know, that's the story. Damn. Jesus. First of all, I, I mean... Kudos to you on taking a handful of mushrooms while you're out where there's cougars and shit like that. Because nice. I, I do not think that uh, uh, being compromised would be uh, the way I would feel comfortable sleeping in that environment. Did you sleep at all that night? Oh, I was out like a rock. It was absolutely oh. ridiculous. I was so peaceful that night. It was stupid. I think my wife was more paranoid than anything, but, um, yeah, it was just, I think it was a mixture of the psilocybin and the fact that I had to hump a 120 pound pack all the way up to this campsite. And we use maybe 20 pounds worth of gear. And then I had to hump all that shit right back out of there. <laughs> yeah, I was wrecked for three days. It was, I was not happy. It's not funny, but it is in a way. <laughs> I understand how you got some good rest, though. Yeah, I I slept well that night. It was nice. And you had already seen the shadow figures moving about. And then you took the shrooms, right? Uh, that is correct. I, when we got there, um, her friend's boyfriend had made the comment that, you know, after the three and a half hours that it took us to get up there, and I was just rolling in sweat. I mean, I probably lost 10 pounds of water weight getting up there. I threw my pack off my back, grabbed the tent. I had that thing up in five minutes, and he was just like, I'm just trying to take another swig of tequila. You already got camp all set up. Um, I grew up in the mountains. I don't fuck around. I know exactly what that shit will turn into. And then 
I turned around and like really observed what was going on across the lake. Saw that, made the observation that it sounded like a big ass baboon, bigger than any baboon I ever saw. And uh, yeah, then I um, the size glove I wear is extra large, and it was a whole handful of shrooms in that. Jeez, Louise. And you fell asleep? That's crazy. Not for a few hours, but eventually I did fall asleep. That's a wild story. I don't know what's more wild. You seeing seven and a half to eight foot tall hairy creatures running through the woods on the other side of the lake or the fact that you took a handful of mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, after seeing that. (laughs) Right. My life has been so goofy that it's like, oh, great. Here's another thing to just chalk into the book and get, I'm going to get high now, Uh, which probably was more than anything that probably saved my sanity because yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So what's your, uh, what's your thoughts on Bigfoot? Mine. Yep. Um, animal people. I think, okay, this is going to sound kind of weird, but, um, like, I view Bigfoot as a few different things. So, like, the first thing, like the animal, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, whatever, running around in the woods, hiding, doing its own thing, you know, you know, stand at the peripheries of civilization and all that wonderful shit, is that's an animal that's just intelligent enough not to get caught. And then my wife's friend, she'd been up to this lake like probably 50, 60 times. And she was talking about how she's seen, you know, portals open up, UFOs all over the place. And you get back into some of these mountains. It's stupid. You see weird shit at night in the sky. I worked in aviation for 10 years. I I know what a drone is. I know what an airplane is. I know a helicopter. I I'm used to seeing aircraft. I know what they are and I can generally ID it even if it's dark outside. Um, I couldn't ID that fucking light dancing back and forth. And, um, that weirded me out a little bit. Uh, so, and that, but with her little portal thing, it made me think, all right, so maybe these are like squatches from a parallel dimension or universe or whatever. Something that's like on our plane, but just slightly off kilter. Yeah. And it's just coming around and checking shit out. And then um, you hear these other stories about like Bigfoot's this fucking savage that's showing up and he's hunting you down. And I'm thinking, all right, well, that kind of checks with the previous one 
that's coming through a portal, but this motherfucker's on safari. And then the Bigfoot that we got naturally running around the hills, they're just the cousin that is just not getting caught. Or if it is getting caught, there's a pretty solid media blackout regarding it. Interesting. I agree with all of that. Yeah, it's goofy, but um, I just, you, you hear like these camps, it's this, it's this, it's this. But at the same time, the world that we live in is a lot stranger than anybody is willing to give it credit for. And to me, magic by and large is just something that we haven't figured out how to measure yet. And once you met, once you're able to measure it, once you're able to quantify it, then you're able to study it. And so like these portal Bigfoot, whatever. I mean, there could be a couple different versions of that because once you get into like an alternate dimension or universe, I mean, that's, you just turn that eight sideways and just run with it, you know? Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of interesting, um, a lot of interesting stories, um, that lead you down all those paths and you know some of them most of them um they're not easily discountable so i don't i don't disagree i don't disagree with you i think there are variations to these to these things it's a great story though thanks for sharing that with us yeah, thank well, you. Nothing else. I hope you guys no, were entertained by uh, the antics involved. <laughs> Good shit. All right, let's get uh, let's get on to the legends and lore. Okay, Emily. How did I know it was going to be me? <laughs> okay, so about and it's less than an hour. Uh, west of where i live in texas um there's a small city in new mexico called uh missia and the city's pretty old and there's like an old catholic missionary there that's still there and there used to be catholic monks and um that missionary has a old old cemetery uh that they used to use i think they say that there's about 800 or so people that are buried there and one of the actual grave graves there, uh, they call the witch's grave. There's no like markings or inscription on who it belongs to, but it's really peculiar because it's this giant like six foot by six foot cement block. And in the middle of it, there's like this wooden cross that is sticking out. And the legend is, is that um, during the mid 1800s, um, when around the time that the cemetery was first built, the the people of Messia hung this woman because she was accused of witchcraft. And as far as I know, she's the only one from Messia to actually be killed um, and tried for witchcraft. Um, but while she was 
essentially facing her death and, you know, getting ready to be hung. Um, she essentially said that she was going to curse everyone and their descendants uh, that were there present and that she would come back from the dead, essentially, and she was going to kill everybody in the town of Messia. And so when she was buried, they placed this giant boulder on top of her grave and then they encased it in this giant block of cement. It's about, I don't know, like four, four feet thick and it's like six foot by six foot. And to this day, there's this family that is in charge of like covering the cracks in the cement so that way she cannot escape because if the cement was to deteriorate and crumble, um, they they believe that she would like actually come out and kill everybody there. So yeah, like you can go to the cemetery um, and you'll see like fresh cement that has been put on the cracks to try to keep it preserved so she cannot actually come out and kill everybody. And I think that's a super badass story. Like she affected the people that much that generations down the line, people still believe in the superstition and actually cover the cracks in the cement. Yeah, that's crazy that there's still a family that's chartered to taking care of making sure that she can't get out. Holy yeah, crap. and that's awesome. And and not not that long ago, I think um I don't know exactly the date, but there was this group of teen girls that went to the cemetery and one of the girls dared this other girl to go and lay on the cement slab. So she did. And when she did, she started having seizures that were so bad and they wouldn't stop that they had to call an ambulance. And because of that, like, I guess, like the mother of the girl essentially like banned her from hanging out with the other girls because she thought they were a bad influence. Um, so that's like another aspect, like a modern day aspect to the actual story. That's kind of interesting. Like she laid on the slab and started having seizures and had to be taken to the hospital. Yeah, that's quite a coincidence if it is one. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. I don't know. I, I wonder what would happen if somebody just, you know, <laughs> showed up in the middle of the night and, and broke a chunk of the cement off, like what the people would actually do. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds it, like you want to give it a whirl. <laughs> I. It's tempting. <laughs> you know, I know you've done a lot of... Uh, paranormal investigations down there is that mm -hmm. someplace you guys have ever gone and done or do you know of any groups that have done that well there's a lot of groups here that have actually gone to her grave i haven't um it's like not with equipment at least and i know that people have used like emf meters on them on the grave and you know they get reactions but like it could be a number of things i mean you're out you're in an outside environment so like there's em all over it, you know it, it's hard to say i don't know if anybody's tried like doing like a actual like spirit box sessions or trying to get like you know evps or anything directly related to the witch but uh but yeah i know that people have gone out there and actually investigated i've investigated quite a bit in that in that little town and yeah it's super haunted in general yeah we've got a we've got a witch just about i don't know it's not even 10, 10 minutes north of me um, buried in the in the graveyard that's smack dab in the middle of downtown Niles basically which is witches scare me <laughs> bad witches bad witches witches that make me see things 
episode five. Rude. Um, speaking of witches, I said bad witches. Thank you for clarifying. Ghostesses. <laughs> what just? Um. Okay, you just have to bear with me because I don't really know all of it. But okay, so um, maybe so I live in between Lansing and Jackson, Michigan, right? So um, about three to five miles from where I live now, pretty far out in the country, um, there's a road. It's a dead end road. Um that is basically turned right into a dirt gravel road. Um, there's really only about three houses on it that are pretty much in the big, at the front of the road. It dead ends to the back. Um, so I, growing up, I always heard about, Ooh, let's go to seven Gables. Let's go to seven Gables. I didn't even realize that it was an actual road. I just thought it was a spot, but anywho, it is a road. And, um, I used to go out there with my friends, you know, when we were hmm, 15, 16, 17, 18, a lot. And we would always probably be drinking or smoking or doing whatever, um, because we knew that it was haunted, um, and that people could see, would see things and hear things and da, 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 um, and that there was a gate, though, like a metal gate, in, in order to get to this the slab where this old structure used to be, you had to either um, climb that gate fence thing or you had to go far, far, far way around, which took you way back out into some deep woods and such. So, you know, that's the route we took because we didn't want to climb over the fence because the legend was that if you climb over the fence, three people climb over the fence, and then when they leave and climb back over the fence, the last person that climbs over the fence will die within three days. <laughs> so we always took the long way around and the long way around when we left. Um, I We did have some experiences out there as far as hearing like very, I wouldn't say faint, but more in the distance. Um, like <sighs> screaming slash moaning, but more kind of a scream, um, far in the distance, but not really faint, if that makes any sense. Um, we heard, I mean, we were out there multiple times, so we would normally hear, um, that type of a scream moaning thing in the distance. Um, we would see flashes of light but not really like orbs because back then I didn't even know what an orb was and relating it back it was more like flashes of light more like flashes of light with fog if that makes sense um, and we would also hear laughter in the distance um, so what the story is behind it though I didn't know this until a couple of years ago actually <clears throat> way back in the day when they would burn, you know, witches at the stake and such. Um, there was a witch that had a, a, co a cottage cabin way back there. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why, but probably just because she was a witch, they um, 
burned at stake out there. Um, and it, then that sat, sat vacant for a long, long time. Um, and then I would say early 1900s, uh, ish, um, a family not knowing really the legend or whatever had happened before built a house out there. Um, it was, um, the mom and the dad and I think three kids, um, and within them living there for however long, um, the father basically went crazy and he killed his, all of his family. He hung, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he hung them all. And then he hung himself from a particular tree that is still out there to this day. Um, and I'm actually going to attach either somewhere in this discord, um, uh, a short little YouTube video. Um, it's like a news station that was doing like an interview about it with some investigators and stuff that had been out there. Um, it basically gives you the quick rundown with the history and current up to current stuff. It's pretty cool. Weird, sad, gross, all of it at the same time. Yeah. That's got it all. Doesn't it? Jesus. Isn't it kind of fascinating? I don't know if, how many of you guys look into like legends and lore, but um, how many how many stories have similar similar things? You know, like we've got one here that's uh, uh, it's called Munchkin Land, and it's uh, got a small chapel on it, and uh, a lot of people go ghost hunting out there, and um, you'll hear back in the woods you'll hear like children laughing and um stuff like that but you know there's the priest or the chaplain or whatever from that chapel ended up he was messing with kids and when he found out the the people around him were kind of narrow narrowing it down to him being involved with some of the missing kids he supposedly hung himself from the the steeple of the the chapel it's, and there's just so many of them you know there's there's a tree in one of the the graveyards near me that supposedly um priest hung himself from that tree over a specific rock and now kind of like what emily was talking about if you go sit on that rock supposedly you know people have uh, different kinds of afflictions and ailments that stem from from being there it's interesting how many things kind of overlap into different different stories well especially like when there's large regional distance between the stories like yeah. it's kind of interesting like i i really like you know local lore and legends and stuff i think it's interesting uh so i was really excited that you were doing this tonight um and when you see like common threads from different stories, but like they kind of all connect in a weird way, like with, Oh, this happened and th this is how this person died. But now if you go and do this, it's all kind of similar, which is cool. Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of makes me not want to even tell the story I brought. Why is that? Because it's very similar. Oh, <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, how many of you, how many of you guys have heard of the melon heads? Anybody? Yeah. 
we have that here. Okay, and and where is the, where is that, Jenny? Oh, here in Connecticut. Connecticut. See, I grew up hearing about the melon heads here in Michigan, and it was maybe an hour away from where I lived in Saugatuck, Saugatuck, Michigan. Um, and then, you know, a few years ago when I was starting to delve into it, I was like, you know, thinking about doing a show and I thought, man, that'd be a great topic. And then I find out that there were melon heads in Ohio as well. And, you know, it's, it's not to say that they didn't exist in all the places, but it kind of seems like it's just kind of got passed around and. Well, it's kind of like with all of the, the devil bridges that I've heard about, you know, all over the place. That's another one Yeah, where it seems like everywhere has a, a, the devil's bridge. What is a melon head? I was going to ask the same thing. Thought I missed it. Um, at least the, you know, the story here in, uh, in Saugatuck, Michigan was that they were, um, a couple of children who had, uh, uh, very large craniums who were uh, dropped off and left at a sanitarium in in Saugatuck. and uh, they were they were kind of so far messed up that they were even um, like shunned from the the regular the regular people that were in the sanatorium for for being crazy and you know having mental illnesses um they wouldn't even have anything to do with them (coughs) excuse me and at some point um when the the sanatorium was closed due to deplorable conditions um and everybody was moved out and they lost their funding um they never they never took uh they never let them out they never took them away so they supposedly stayed there and then um, continued to use the facility as a place for uh, shelter, but they were uh, often reported in the the local woods and, you know, kids going out partying and all that. They would see them and, um, yeah, supposedly pretty, pretty hideous-looking uh, things. Sounds like an episode of X-Files. Yeah, you know, actually, it would have made a really good episode of the X Files. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the same story here too. Is it? Yeah, they were, you know, pushed out of the asylum and then pushed off into the woods. Then they were just very disfigured, and they just started inbreeding with each other and running amok everywhere. Pretty much living in the woods, harassing kids, trying to steal people. Again. X Files, <laughs> and I tell you, the X Files. I loved that show, watched it religiously. Um, but the the one episode that has always stayed with me happened to be an episode that they only aired one time during the regular run of that show. They never did a any time they ever went into reruns or repeats uh, in the off season. They never aired it again. It wasn't until. X-Files went on to Netflix, I believe, that people were actually able to watch that episode again. And uh, I forget what the name of it was, but it was a a house of just the most malformed human beings you could ever imagine. They all lived in a house. Um, They were all brothers, 
and their mother was a uh, quadruple can't even talk quadruple amputee who was kept on a uh, one of those little rolling carts like mechanics use to to get underneath the vehicles she was kept under a bed and each one of her sons who survived uh kept taking turns breeding her breeding and uh that was that was a really that was a really uh disturbing episode that i remember when that aired on television i watched that when i was in ironically enough junior high and that was one of the most disturbing things i had ever seen on television and it was the most disturbing thing i had seen on television for several years yeah i mean even to go back and watch it again you know now that it's on uh netflix it's like man they were really they were really pushing they were pushing the envelope <laughs> it was it was rough i mean the opening scene was basically two people walking out into a field um raining like hell all you saw were like the muddy boots walking through a like uh, a plowed up cornfield and they start digging a hole in the rain and you hear a baby crying and they put the baby in the hole and they cover it up with mud and then the one guy starts crying and it's like jesus <laughs> i mean where, where 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 else can this episode go but yeah it was it was a rough one so who's up who's up with the next story jj what do you got well i have a delightful story about hellier house spelled different than the show but um so it's this house it's in a neighborhood and as legend goes when it was originally built there was a family of three who lived there and there was a robbery that went wrong and the robbers ended up murdering all of them but then staged the family to make it look like suicide so after that happened, another family purchased the house. It was to stay in the family. Um, the niece ended up getting it. Uh, she was a young single girl, and she ended up getting pregnant out of wedlock, which in the time frame wasn't okay, and she was about to lose the house. And so she hung herself in the garage. Um, and obviously when she passed away and the family was, you know, left the house empty, trying to work it out in probate, uh, the neighbors were complaining of strange noises and the fire alarm would randomly go on and off. Um, and the house actually ended up empty for some years. So the family knowing that this place was definitely not right, um, actually had some monks come in in order to stay there to try and clear the home. And during their stay, um, not only did they experience strange noises, the fire alarms going off and on, uh, one of the monks went to sleep in the bedroom, which apparently was the girl's bedroom, and ended up waking up in the garage, which is where she hung herself and it is considered to be the most evil house in that area. Um, and what area? What really, area are we talking about? 
Uh, well, I did San Jose because Tim lives there and he wants to put himself on blast. So I was like, here you go. So <laughs> San Jose, California. Okay. But I thought because it was Hellier, I thought I'd, I'd bring it up. We yeah. have our own Hellier, just spelled different. Damn. So uh, the monks in order, they actually, I think they only lasted like a week. Um, but it ended up getting so bad and they kept going to sleep one place and waking up in another place and it was freaking them out even. So what they did is they took these giant concrete kind of pillar block things and they moved them in the driveway in this very weird formation, which is not conducive to having someone park there. Um, but they did it for feng shui and I've driven by it a couple times. It definitely has a creepy feel to it um it looks like a very average house it's kept up very nice um and according to a year ago the home finally was sold and there's another family living in it yeah no thank you there my next door neighbor um i think he might be here it's got to be getting close to two years year and a half something like that um my next door neighbor before he moved in um they had a pretty good pretty good sized family i think there was the husband wife and one two three four kids i think it was um the wife had passed away years ago kids were all off moved out married um and the dad lived at home by himself in a tri-level which was a pretty big house for just a old single old guy. Um, and you know, there'd be times where, um, I'd be out cutting the grass and he'd be sitting in his wheelchair by his sliding glass door that kind of looked out the, the backyard and he would motion for me to shut off the lawnmower and we'd chat for a few minutes and you could tell he was starting to lose his, his brain wasn't, as as good as it had been and uh the one son was he was really he was really very very good about every week man on wednesdays i'd get home from work he'd see his car out front he had a small trailer he always brought his lawnmower over cut the grass for his dad and um the the daughter she would be over probably once a week as well to sit and talk with him um but the son came over one day to cut the grass and uh, went in the house. And when he walked around the corner, the dad was in the bedroom, sitting on the bed, had a shotgun. And as the kid walked into the room, he killed himself. And, you know, I don't, I don't think he did it intentionally in front of his kid. You know, I, I question whether maybe he had maybe a moment of clarity where he realized he didn't want to live like that anymore with his brain being messed up or, or maybe he had completely lost it and just didn't know what he was doing. Um, they turned the house around really quick. Um, they had a, they had a construction company come in, take care of all the mess, um, redo everything, put the house up on the market and, it sold in no time. Um, 
so you know I, I was outside going to get the mail and and the new guy was raking the front yard and i said hey man introduce myself and <coughs> excuse me introduce myself and uh we started talking a little bit about you know what he did and we both wound up ironically being in the printing industry and uh he asked me he asked me what i did i said i'm a pressman for a printing company and i said i just started a podcast and he seemed really interested in the podcast so we started talking about it told him it was about paranormal stuff blah 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 and he started telling me about the house that he had lived in before he moved into this one and he said like the last year and a half that they were there um they were having all kinds of crazy problems uh you know like things popping off the wall like you know nails coming out pictures falling to the ground um the daughter was getting scared because she would swear that there was somebody in the bathroom with her while she was taking a shower and he started to notice that him and his uh fiance were having their the relationship was kind of going to hell in a handbasket pretty quick and uh he also said that during this time he was like kind of renovating the house so there was a lot of construction and stuff going on in it um which seems to go hand in hand with you know a lot of times when you hear things getting stirred up in a home um so he finally made the call to just you know cut bait get rid of that house and bought this one and uh i was like oh my god <laughs> you know i didn't want to say anything to him um, but I said, you know, and then you move into this <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah, what? And I was like, you, you don't know. And he's like, no, what? And I'm like, man, um, <laughs> I feel like a real asshole now because I don't want to tell you about this, but you know, you, your realtor probably should have. I assume that's something that they have to tell you, isn't it? When you're buying a house. So you're supposed to disclose if someone passed away in the house for five years from the date of death. Okay. Yeah. Well, it fell well within that. Um, so I told him about it and he, he was not happy at all. Um, come to find out the realtor was a friend of his and he said, you know, we got this great deal on the house and i think they were closing on it right around christmas time and he's like that all makes sense now because whatever her name was the realtor um he said yeah she was you know you got to move on this you got to move on this or you're going to lose it and then he said i remember her saying something about you know it being close to christmas and she hadn't sold any houses so she wasn't getting any bonus or commission checks and He's like, it all makes sense now why she never told me about this because she didn't, she didn't want to lose a sale on the house. And uh, he's like, great. So I moved my kid out of one house to, <laughs> to be safe and get away from all that. Now I'm moving into a place that somebody blew their brains out less than a year ago. And he said, well, thankfully, we haven't had anything yet. But he's like, I'm sure with my luck, just give it some time. I don't know. I haven't 
I haven't talked to him recently. I haven't seen him out much. He his hours are a little bit different than mine, so but yeah, I wouldn't I would not be happy about not having that disclosed. Who's up next? I can go since my son is being quiet at the moment. <laughs> All right. So mine isn't well, I guess it is kind of a legend. It is a UFO crash site in my area that happened um before Roswell. Um so the area that I'm living in is Cape Girardeau, uh, Missouri. And in nineteen forty one there was a um crash reported in a field and so the information I have is from an, a news article because there's not a whole lot there. There is this pastor that was called to the crash site because they thought it was an airplane crash site. And when they got there, um, you know, he didn't see a plane. He sees this silver saucer that's broken open. There's like hieroglyphic lighting on a, or writing on a silver band around like the cockpit area. And there's three creatures about three to four feet tall with black eyes. Um, they look like, um, you know, the standard gray. And he said two of them were already dead when he got there. And then the third one was still breathing. And as he like knelt down to look at it, it had died. It had passed away. Um, and then I guess the military came and like took everything up, sworn everybody to secrecy. And so like the news outlet tried to reach out to, you know, the, the military and to, like the FBI or whoever, all the agencies that they could. And they, um, uh, you know, they act like it never happened. (laughs) So there's like literally nothing, but they said like the fields were on fire. There was metallic pieces everywhere. And the military came and just collected all of it up and hauled it off. And so the only person to tell the story, I guess, was the, the pastor, and uh, he had passed that story on to his granddaughter, who I guess some guy wrote a whole book about it as well. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty famous pretty famous case. The bombshell before Roswell. See, I didn't even know it was a famous case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, it, I mean, it's the story is way different. I don't know what it is about that story that always reminds me of. Um, I think the name of the town was Aurora. I don't remember where it is. It's out out west, um, way back turn of the century, where one one crashed into a uh, a farmer's windmill. And they ended up, the occupant of it died and the whole town, they buried it. It had a, it had a ceremony. The, um, the priest from the local church, you know, gave it the last rites and said prayers over it and everything. And, um, I don't know, I don't know what it is about that Cape Girardeau story that is very reminiscent to me of, of that. I think it was Aurora. It's Aurora, Texas. Yes, it is, isn't it? I was just going to say I think it's Texas, but I wasn't sure. Black Cat, you got anything? 
you guys ever have that dream where uh, you're in school and uh, the teacher asked for your homework and you've got nothing. Now, I, I had no idea this is what this was about. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no problem. I was like, I'm like, no, I've never had that dream. Where's he going with this? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like I said, I, I had, I came in um, because of uh, the last, I was listening to some of your episodes and I listened to your last campfire mm-hmm. and I really felt connected to, uh, Nick, um, I felt um, Nick. This the what do you call him? Anyway, there was a, there was a guy. He was talking about um, having depression, and his yeah, dad yeah, yeah. prayed for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of connected with him because I'm kind of like that. Only I didn't have his dad, I got and I still kind of feel like that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here with us. And unfortunately, well, fortunately for Nick. He's uh, he's in Hawaii with his family on vacation, so um, he's not with us tonight. But uh, um, we're glad you're you here. Uh, we're glad you're here, though. <laughs> hey, uh, I'll I'll tell you why I am. I call myself the black cat, though. Sure. Because um, when I was a kid, um, I always thought that um, deja vu meant something that it, that it totally doesn't like imagine the matrix and i identify with the black cat instead of those watching the black cat does that make sense yeah yeah yes yep see because i and there was a couple of times in my life when i was a kid where i hurt myself uh like the first time in the back of my dad's truck i was running my finger over the gutter on the top of the cab there. And then all of a sudden I cut myself and I went, and then all of a sudden I was like back in time, like one second. And I did the exact same thing again. Hmm. So yeah, I'm the, I'm the black cab from the matrix. (laughs) Nice. So I just messaged Nick to let him know how touched you were about his story. And he's in utter and complete shock. So I just wanted to really thank you for sharing that because he wants to be on here, but he couldn't tonight. And I think how special that is that he was so brave to share that. And then you come and join us. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I would, I'd like to get into it more, but, you know, I don't really want to dump my purse out, like, all on the first night here. That's fine. You you do what you're comfortable with, and uh, that's what we're here for, so. And Perfect. I love it. Whenever you're ready, and even if you're never ready, you're still free to come in here and hang out with us. That's why we do what we do. Thank you. I, I am starting to be more comfortable here. Good. Good. Jenny, you've got anything for us besides the melon heads? Um, yeah, <clears throat> there is a story. Um, it's a place back in the 70s and um 
some people say that it was a hoax. Some people say that it actually happened. But there was a family that lived in, you can look this up too. Ed and Lorraine Warren actually went to this house. There was a lot of poltergeist activity. And it was all centered around this young girl. She was about 10 years old at the time. Um, the family had adopted her. And they were just having a lot of crazy, weird things happen in the house. Furniture moving. Doors opening and closing by themselves. Some even claimed that um, sh sh the cat was talking and singing jingle bells. And there have been cops and uh, firefighters that claimed to see some of these things happen when the girl wasn't even around. Um, it came out later that she said she did some of the things. Like she was moving furniture and lifting up like heavy furniture and dressers and beds. and But a lot of stuff happened when she wasn't even in the house or around. And it made, like, the headlines, I think it was, like, across the country. I know it was a really, really big story that Ed and Lorraine, like I said, they came down here. They blocked off the street for a while because they were getting so much press because things were going on for years. Holy shit, my TV just turned on by itself. And YouTube is coming on. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> hold, hold the line. What? what the fuck is going on? Welcome to the crazy zone. <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and tell mine if you want me to. Sure. All right. Similar to Black Cat, I too have had that dream where you show up to class with no homework. However, I actually wrote a research paper on a local legend back in high school. And oh, I had cool. it memorized. Not so only do I have that particular one memorized, I have an experience to go along with it. So... I will regale you with a tale and the famous legend of Molly Crenshaw. This is a mid-Missouri legend of a African-American slave who is supposedly a witch. She was also the school teacher for the region. Now, back then there was fairly small, you know, she'd have a class of 10 or 12 people, but every, all of her kids seemed to love her. But when people in town started falling sick, they blamed her for her witchcraft. It was thought that they were to have drawn and quartered her. I don't entirely understand how the math makes sense, but supposedly into seven pieces and then taken them and buried them in seven different directions all around the property in which she used to live. Local legend has it that her house is still standing to this day. Along with that, there's oftentimes crazy paranormal experiences associated. People will have loss of time. They'll be electrified. People's vehicles malfunction. There's a laundry list of craziness that it pursues with the legend of Molly Crenshaw. I've even been told that it was one of the spark ideas for the Blair Witch Project. However, in my research, I did find a Molly Crenshaw that lived in that region in that time who happened to be a school teacher that died at 74 of old age. Not all legends are true. Wow. So now, yeah, well, I was going to say, you, you, yeah. had, you had a personal experience, right? Yes. So as a, a, a stupid teenager in high school, recently researching local legends for our school paper 
a bunch of us decided that we were going to go visit this house. And it's about 45 miles from where I grew up. So it was a pretty good trek. And I think about 20 of us piled into pickup trucks. One of the guys had a little car, like a, oh goodness, what's it called? Like a Pontiac Grand Am, Grand Prix, Grand Prix, I think it was. And uh, so he couldn't make it down the road because he had to cross two creeks to get there. So he parked at the commuter lot and rode one of us. We got down there, started a fire in the front yard of this abandoned house. And after a while and a few too many party favors, we decided that we were going to go explore inside. The building had been boarded up. We broke into a back window uh, fairly forcefully and then threw one of our smaller friends inside. After he got in, we all started to pile in with our flashlights. Nothing too crazy seemed to happen right at that moment. We went down into the root cellar, and there was lots of strange jars, beets, and vegetables. I didn't see anything really crazy down there. But everybody was spooked, and all the girls were scared. We finally decided to call it a night. This was like six, seven hours later, and to be honest with you, we thought the cops were coming. So we piled back up in the trucks, and we take off back up this road. And when we get to the commuter lot, the boy that was driving that, uh, that Pontiac his, uh, his key was mysteriously missing from his key ring. So he ended up having to go the next day to the dealership and getting a new one because it was a chipped key. That next afternoon, another friend of mine's engine exploded. Totaled the truck, threw a rod out, put him in the hospital. Three days after that, a freak incident rolled my truck over. Totaled my truck out. One by one, the seven trucks that went down there were all off the road within a matter of two weeks. No way. I swear to God. Damn. Now, mine, I did pull mine out with a tractor, and we spent two weeks with the back end of a Louisville slugger and a socket set <laughs> trying to straighten it out the best we could. I still own that truck to this day, but it's mostly just a farm truck now. It's not yeah. really street legal. Wow. Yep. So that's the that's the legend that has some basis, but there's no legend there. Because yeah. that's the thing is everybody talks about this particular place. They call it this particular person's home, and then these weird electronic issues, especially with cars, always seem to follow. And while the legend itself was fake, the paranormal activity was real. Hmm. That's weird. People speaking it into existence. Or they just got the wrong legend for the right house. I'm not real sure. <laughs> Maybe that's the case, too. All right. I'm going to tell you mine. And I'm actually going to read this because there's... It's not terribly long, but there's there's a lot kind of in it. This actually is a, a home that is maybe a 12-minute drive for me. Um, it was... It was the the place to go when we were teenagers. Everybody had to drive by it. We would drive by it six, seven times a night. Um, you know, it, it just, it never gets old. Um, and I've n never had an opportunity inv to investigate it. I guess at one point, not too terribly long ago, 
the home was vacant for some time and there was somebody that you could contact that um, you could go inside of it um, but <clears throat> the part that everybody was interested in, in you could not get to and uh, that'll kind of explain itself as I read this <coughs> excuse me so in Niles, Michigan, there sits an old mansion that was built in 1847. And thanks to all who occupied the house over the years, it looks almost as gorgeous as the day it was built. And it is a beautiful place. It is known as the Beeson Mansion. It was constructed by a local whiskey distiller back in 47, 1847, uh, who sold it to Struther Beeson. Uh, in his day... Um, Beeson was a, a fairly well-known and fairly wealthy gentleman. Um, I believe in 1847, it cost $65,000 to build this mansion. Um, so I don't know what the exchange rate or the, uh, the, the difference in uh, inflation is, but I can imagine that it would be pretty substantial these days. Um, so they had the, the house built and across the street, um, there is a private cemetery for the family. And in that cemetery, which is very near the road, I mean, you can see everything just fine from the street. It's that close. Um, right in the middle of it is a family crypt which Beeson um, had built for the final resting place for his mother. Um, it was made out of marble, uh, extremely well kept. Um, quite honestly, I mean, if, if it wasn't for the, if it wasn't for the gravestones and the markers, um, this had almost looked like it was a park. You know, um, very, very well-kept grounds, uh, flowers all over the place. Um, just, I mean, for what it is, it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful spot. Um, so Struthers' son and daughter-in-law, daughter um, William and Harriet Beeson, they eventually were given the home after um, Struthers' wife had died and after he had a fairly long, complicated uh, illness. Um, his son took over the house. Him and his wife, Harriet, they had a son called Job, and he was born in 1869, uh, just under one year the baby had died and he was placed in the crypt across the street with his grandmother. Um, so he, here's the thing. The, the wife was so overcome with grief that um, her mental capacity just took a, a nosedive. And every night uh, she would go across the street into the crypt and she would um, 
basically continue to treat her dead child as if he was still alive. Um, she would put clean diapers on him every night. She would bathe him. She would rock him. Um, and some even say that her husband would enter the crypt to find her breastfeeding the dead baby. Um, her argument was that she was, she believed the child was afraid of the dark. So she would go there, tend to him, and then leave a lit, a lit um, lantern in the crypt overnight to keep him from being scared of the dark. Um, Struther tried insistently to keep her from doing this because he knew that it was just really affecting her mentally and he knew it was not a healthy thing for her to be doing. <clears throat> and it was extremely hard for him to sit there and watch his grieving wife still coddle to their dead infant. Um, so in an attempt to keep people's prying eyes from seeing her going over there nightly, he decided to have a um, a tunnel basically from the basement of their mansion tunneled underneath the road underneath to the interior of the mausoleum, the crypt, so that she could continue to go over there um, but no longer in plain eyesight of, of all the neighbors and passers-by. <clears throat> she apparently, as the story goes, continued to do all these things until one night after feeding and bathing, she, uh, she sat down to rock him, and by this time the body had decomposed so much that as she rocked him, um, he basically started to fall apart in her hands and her arms. And at that point, she was in a severe state of shock and had to be institutionalized. Um, she eventually died at the age of 28. And she is now also interned in that crypt. Um, so altogether throughout the years, there are 12 relatives that are all buried within the walls of that tomb. Uh, it's a private cemetery. You're not allowed to go into it. Uh, I know several people who have, um, I've never, I've never gone onto the premises. Um, I've pulled off to the side of the road and there's about a there's about a two and a half foot tall stone fence that goes all the way around it um, obviously it's not tall enough to keep anybody out um, I think now they may have uh, added like wrought iron um, fencing to the top of that um, stone wall but 
I will tell you this. Um, on two occasions, really late at night, two, three o'clock in the morning, um, I had a carload of friends, drove there, stopped. And I'm not going to lie, through the windows of this thing, you could see flickering light. Now, I don't know if somebody's installed, uh, you know, some kind of, you know, like the um, the electric candles that, you know, kind of flicker, but they aren't real. I don't know if they've installed those in there. I don't know if anybody's like tried to perpetuate the whole story behind it by doing something like that. It seems like it'd be pretty poor, poor taste if they did. Um, but I have talked to people who have gone and investigated that area and said that they've, they've seen the same thing with uh, the flickering candle light coming from, from within the, the tomb. Um, so yeah, that's that's the one we got here very close to me where did you say what what city it's niles michigan i thought it sounded familiar yeah yeah you know how you said that x files always twisted your guts up Mm -hmm. that's how that story just did me thank you yeah (laughs) i get that yeah yeah it's not a it's not a happy story. It's not got any kind of goofy twist. It's just kind of gut-wrenching, sad all the way around. But apparently now somebody has purchased the entire property and is currently renovating it. And from what I heard last... Uh, the, there was talk that, that that was going to be turned into a, um, bed and breakfast, which, <laughs> um, I hope they, I hope they stone off that, that tunnel to the, uh, under underground over to that mausoleum. And it, I'm, you know, I mean, the house is, the house is on a big piece of property, but it's, it's up close to the um it's up close to the road so it's not you know you you can see the house perfectly fine um i'd say maybe 80 feet from the road and then you know you have the length of the road plus the um, the shoulder of the road and then to the uh, mausoleum i mean that would have been a hell of an undertaking as far as making that tunnel um, I can't imagine that people weren't people around that area. I don't know how, how many neighbors they had back at that time, but that had to have been a, a major undertaking to, to get that tunnel all the way over to that mausoleum. Tommy, did you ever get it figured out? I would assume if you did, we'd have heard from you by now. Is it working? Yes. Oh yeah, Tommy! Yay. Good lord, man! Well, I've got I've got it on my phone. And good I've job, Tommy! As well, so I don't know how this is working, but it's working. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> how about my phone? Is- What's that, sir? 
Am I back? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm using my phone to talk, but I'm still on the computer. So I don't know how that's working. What do you got for us from over on the other side of the pond there, bud? Oh, there's, there's lots of laws, laws and legend around here. Um, I was talking to a guy at my work the other day, and I literally live right opposite where I work as well. And can you still hear me? Yep, you're good. So, and there's a road that leads um, from where I live past my work and all the way up into town and it's sort of a countryside road but there's houses there as well there's lots of fields and trees and stuff and a lot of people see a, a woman in white standing in the road so many people have seen this and so my mate at works i think it's his friend saw it recently as they were driving down late at night there was just a woman standing in the middle of the road and I think he drove through it and obviously was terrified, looked back and there was nothing there. But a lot of people see this woman in white. Does, does the legend have a, like a specific name or a, a story behind it? You know, I'm sure it does, but I need to find out. I know that's not helpful, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I need to look into it more. And literally the other night I was told about this, but it's literally on my doorstep. So I've got a woman in white legend right here. Wow. I've got the I've got the devil dog as well. Yeah, what's that about? So that so I live right next to a massive forest, and um, they call it the devil dog, and it's it's it's. It's what a dog man is, basically, exactly the same. It's got red eyes, people hear it, people smell it. Um, I've not seen it yet, but I'm on the lookout. Are you really? <laughs> is, that, is it the same woods that you had that video of you taking your daughter out into? That's it, yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> good, good thinking, Tommy. Good and thinking. you know what? I think I've told you this before, but... So we, we all went over there when we first moved here. We've been here for just over a year now. When we first moved here, we all went over to this woods. I didn't know anything about the dogman law. Um, and we're just, we're, we're just exploring, looking around. And we're at this point, and suddenly my eldest daughter, uh, she would have been 10 at the time. Oh, no, she'd have been 11 at the time. And she just freaked out. And I was like, what's the matter? And she, she thinks that she saw, she described it as a Bigfoot. She said she saw this big hairy thing with yellow eyes. And I said to her, like, calm down, like you haven't. Like, I, I just thought she was, she's seen a documentary that I've been watching and, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm calming her down, but she really freaked out. So anyway, it was getting dark. So I said, come on, let's go. So we, went, we got back home. And I think it was a few weeks later, I was talking to someone about the, the woods and they told me about this devil dog law. And I was like, oh, you know what? My daughter saw something the other day. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm, I don't know if it was, but she definitely saw something and freaked out while we was over there. Boy, you know, I'd like to say, you know, ask her about it, but 
man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want yeah. you to upset her and drum up something. You know what? I've got to be honest. I, I did ask her the other day about it. <laughs> What'd she say? She just, she went, dad, don't. <laughs> really? She didn't want to get, yeah. It really freaked her out. But, um, yeah, it was weird. It was weird because I just assumed she'd watched something that I'd, I'd been watching. And I'm always watching big, Bigfoot and Dogman stuff. So I just thought she's got older, something she shouldn't have. And she's just scaring herself. But yeah. maybe she did see it. I don't know. But a lot of people claim to see it over there. So it's, it's interesting. They call it the devil dog. Yeah, I mean, I've heard the name before. I don't know if it's in uh, relation to what you're talking about or if it's just been a... Uh, no, I don't know, if honestly, if I'm thinking devil dog and hellhound. Yeah, yeah. But it's described exactly the same way that, obviously, we described the dog man. Yeah. So it's, seen on, it's seen on two legs and, you know, it's... Uh, you know, people say that they hear it and smell it. Sometimes don't always see it, but it's, it's really weird. But it's quite cool that I live right next to it. <laughs> I'd be scared. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm literally, I'm over there every day. I take my little dog over there every day and we're trying to, we're trying to see something. Stay well protected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I'd have, I'd have the damn Binford 4,000 lumen lights all, all the way around my house anything that was even pointed directly near that forest i'd have lights shining like a crazy person yeah <laughs> well I'm, I'm i'm about i would say i'm just just under a five minute walk from the forest from one of the entrances jesus That's yes close. i'm pretty and you know when i first moved here as well I, i'm not saying this was the devil dog but when i first moved here you used to hear a dog outside growling at night. Really? Now, I, I'm not saying it was a devil, but it was weird because I didn't know about the devil dog when, when you used to hear that. Um, but yeah, that, that was weird. But I'd love to see it. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's scary, but I would love to see it. I don't know, man. There's a lot of things I'd like to see. But yeah. I, but I don't know that I'd want to see it dog man yeah I'm, I'm heading over to the have you guys heard of the new forest in the UK no so I live quite close to that as well and it's just like a massive I think I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the biggest forest in the UK like natural forest I think so anyway I'm not 100% sure but there's there's Bigfoot and Dogman law there as well and fairy law did you call it the new? The new forest, yeah. I don't think it is new. I don't know why they call it the new forest. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's just a, it's just a, a massive forest forest land in, in in the UK, and I live about a forty minute drive from it. So I'm going to head over there tomorrow and see if I can uh, see anything. Do you have one of those um, cam camera things you could put on your hat? While you're walking around, oh no! I'll, I'll have my phone with me. I'll be uh, I'll be recording some stuff. What you need Good. to do is you need to take a page out of a lot of the Bigfooters. Um, 
ideas and that is that um having a gopro mounted mounted on your back yeah because there's there's several uh bigfoot investigators that uh they they mount those there's actually scott carpenter actually has like a gimbal mount on the back so that it stays steady so it's not shaking all around but the majority of the the videos and the pictures that he gets is after he walks through an area and they they pop out and peek out after he's passed through so he's picking it up on the camera that's on his back okay interesting yeah i do i do want to i do want to get a gopro actually that is something i'm, I'm looking to get we've also got a lot of um big cat law around here I know that's everywhere as well. Yeah, but there's there's no good reason for you guys to have big cats. I mean, over here, I know, I know. <laughs> over, yeah, I know. over here, there's you know there's areas that they can come from. There's you know I, I guess people with exotic pets if they just yeah. can't handle them anymore and let them go. I suppose you'd have that over there as well. But well, my my mother-in-law. 20 years ago claims to have seen a black panther where I used to live in Essex really? and she's not the sort of person who's particularly interested in that either she wouldn't lie about it um, I find it amazing every time I talk to her I bring it up but she definitely saw what she describes as a black panther and uh, she was with she was with her sister and my father-in-law was driving and they were just basically driving along and saw a black panther just standing by the side of the road. And uh, the father-in-law is not having it. He says, no, there's no way. But the mother, my mother-in-law and her sister swear down that they saw a black panther. So it's interesting. Yeah, for real. Did they say about how big it was? Yeah, they just said it was just at the at the tail that a panther has, and it was it was a big big panther, and it was sort of basically it's quite a forested area that it, it was in, but obviously they shouldn't be there. Um, but a lot of people claim to see panthers around it, especially around where I am now. There's quite a big group of people that say that they're here. Any any idea of why? Any explanations? Uh, I mean, you know, like over here we have uh, Department of Natural Resources, the DNR, um, in each state, and they pretty yeah. much. Do you have something like that there? I mean, are, do they address that, or do they say no? They don't. They're not here. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I think they do say that they're not here, but there's there's plenty of people that claim to have evidence and found hair and scat and footprints. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people say it comes, I think it was in the sixties when the, it might've been the sixties when the, or it might've been earlier than that, when the law changed and people had to release them. Um, and some say that possibly that's where it started. I'm not sure if it was the 60s. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Because, you know, um, like we have cougars and stuff. Um, yeah. 
And Jess, I think uh, you may have even seen it in the news because it was kind of around your area, I believe. Uh, oh yeah, last yeah. last year, you know, people are getting people are getting pictures of them on their trail cams now. Um, yeah, you know, and they're still and the DNR is still saying that they're they're not around. Well, what they're saying is that there's no breedable or no sizable population that's capable of breeding. You know, they're not addressing the fact that a rogue one has made it down to, um, you know, way outside of what we anticipated. It's uh, it's area of um, being common to. Um, but, you know, where there's one, eventually there's going to be two. And when you have two, you know, you're going to have more. Well, it takes. Yep. well, I always remember when I was little, it was always in the local paper that someone had seen uh, some sort of big cat. Um, it was, it was always quite a, a lot of people claim to have seen them. Mm. I was talking to a guy the other day that researches this cause he in the same area, five miles away from where my mother-in-law saw her cat. He run one over, he thinks. Oh really? And it rolled over his car and he was with his wife, and they both sort of looked round, and they saw it running into the forest, what was a looked like a black panther. So he started researching, and he reckons he spoke to 60 people that claimed to have seen it and have got like a, um, a story that can sort of validate that. Mm. That was a good episode, by the way. Oh, thank you. All, all of his episodes are good. Yeah, they are. Yeah, oh, stuff it. <laughs> no, thank you very much. Actually, the two uh, uncomfortable and let's get freaky are the two main ones that I get excited for. Oh, I love you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> That's very much appreciated. And Eric, I actually came across your podcast from Tommy's. Oh, did oh, you wow. really? Yep. No kidding. That's awesome. Oh, cool. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. How how did you find Tommy? Um. So I emailed you about this a long time ago, but he had on as a guest um, Donna Boyle. Um, she's a medium. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And she, I came across her via another podcast called sense of soul that she was on. So I had been listening to sense of soul for a while. And, um, during her, um, conversation with the girls on sense of soul, she mentioned something about being, on let's get freaky and then i found it from there oh cool i've got donald coming back on again soon oh nice i was actually um a guest on her show um she did a reading for me oh cool yeah oh that's cool yeah she's a really nice lady donna Oh, yeah. She's got a lot of interesting stories, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's had a lot of, um, she's caught a lot of uh, EVPs on her computer recently. 
Ooh. Yeah. Am I going to hear about that when you interview yeah. her? Yeah. Okay, good, good. Speaking of EVPs, I got a message. I think this was a couple of weeks ago. I think maybe I was talking to JJ at the time when I got the message from her but uh, a couple episodes back the woman that had the stroke after being in the uh, um, paranormal investigation the night before um, God, I can't remember what the name of that episode was um, I know what you're talking about though what was it apologies from beyond or something like that um apologies from the ether yes yes very good nice (laughs) very nice um she sent me a message a couple of weeks ago saying that um a friend of hers who is in a paranormal group um had listened to the episode that i did with her and had found several EVPs that happened during the recording. And she said as soon as he got those isolated and um, were ready to be heard, she was going to forward them to me so I can uh, put them out here so you guys can hear them. So... Awesome. Yeah, it'd be interesting. You know, with electronics, when, and, you know, I mean, if I remember right, with her, it took almost an hour of her dinking around between her laptop and an iPad. And then finally, I think we ended up having to do it through phone. Um, you know, I mean, there's a number of things that can happen in the background. I don't know what's going on in her place. You know, I, I'm pretty good about keeping sounds down in, in my studio. Um, but you know, when somebody's in their house, I have no control of what, what kind of sounds are going on in the background, but it'd be interesting to hear if they are actually EVPs. I think I had an EVP when I was last talking to JJ. Oh, really? Sure, I got, yeah. So I was listening back, and I I kept it in there, but you can't really tell unless you... It's hard to hear it, listening to it on the phone. But um, it's definitely not JJ, and it's not me. And you hear, like, another voice. And it made me go cold when I heard it. Kind of like earlier on um, when there was a voice coming through that nobody knows who it was coming through. I saw JJ Uh, light up. JJ was lit up when those sounds, those voices were coming through. But I was lit up trying to figure out who's talking. And like, you know, because I thought, oh, maybe you had your mic on and you didn't know because it was just you, myself, Eric and Tommy at that time. And Tommy didn't have his mic on. So I know um, it wasn't him. Sh- I know Sheila, it wasn't her. Sheila was in there too because I kept, 
her the voice reminded me of Sheila, so I kept looking at her square, and her square wasn't lighting up because I thought maybe she was talking to one of her kids or a dog, or I wasn't quite sure. But yeah, that was weird. I got a question for you. Yep. What was the uh, public response to that episode you put out from well, the campfire we recorded? Yeah, a lot of people liked it. Um, actually, I think the Discord numbers went up by five or six after that episode aired. And I'll be doing the same thing with this. You know, I don't see any reason why um, people aren't interested in hearing stuff from different parts of the country as far as local legends and stuff like that well anybody else got anything i could tell that story uh i posted it a while back in the discord but um i never never got around to having that talk with you so i I could tell that story i don't know if anybody here has seen that one i know there's a few newer people so definitely Um, get into it yeah so um my family has always been uh pretty open when it comes to spirits and ghosts and that kind of thing um my grandma always used to watch the shows with me and um kind of watch over watch watch me a little bit to make sure that you know i wasn't watching anything too nuts nothing demonic she wouldn't like that kind of stuff but um i uh i watched a few ghost stories here and there and we kept a pretty open mind to it well, I didn't ever think, you know, like anything would happen at our house or anything like that. My grandma had told me stories from when she was a kid and how she'd had like multiple times where there would be cabinets open or like cups slid around or things out of place and like places she grew up. She she had all kinds of crazy stories. But um, there was one night in particular I was... Um, on the phone with my now wife, Morgan. Um, and this was back in when I was in high school and we had no, we, we hadn't really had too many experiences in the house up to this point. Um, and I think this is the first time I realized like, Oh, there might be something going on and I'm going to have to talk to my grandma about it. Cause she's the only one who's going to know anything about this kind of stuff. <laughs> so, um, I was watching this, uh, I believe it was a Red Wings game. And I while I was FaceTiming um, Morgan, I kind of had this weird feeling that something was like watching me and I didn't really like it. Um, so I was trying to ignore it. Um, and then our, our cable on the TV started getting a little fuzzy, which is super weird because we live in a... I've never had any issues with technology. None. I've... <laughs> Not you. Know, you. No. I, <laughs> I mean, like outside of my job, but like I, that's what I went into IT for. So um, anyway, I I started noticing the cable was getting a little fuzzy, which was way out of the ordinary for us, um, especially considering we live in a well-populated area with you know pretty strong connection. So the cable started getting funky, and I had this weird feeling, and I was like, I don't like this. And I started kind of looking around and when I looked down, I noticed my phone was completely blurring out. Um, I really couldn't see or hear Morgan anymore. It was just getting all pixely and digitized, you know, crackly when things start breaking up. 
And um, I was like, dude, what the hell is going on? Why is all of my shit breaking all of a sudden? So after a few seconds, I waited for everything to calm down and it just kind of didn't. And I was like, this is super weird. I, I'm going to go like unplug the router, plug it back in, see if that fixes it. And as I stood up, I looked over my shoulder and I still like even to this day get goosebumps thinking about this. I saw this woman standing in our dining room and you could see the dining room from our living room where I was at. And when I looked over my shoulder, I saw this woman who was in like a very large, it looked like, you know, a Victorian white dress. And I went, uh, what the hell? And as I like turned, it just kind of like faded back almost like it was walking slowly and just kind of vanished and i was like what the fuck was that i'm done what is going on and i started panicking so as soon as this thing like disappeared i didn't i i did not know how to respond for like five to ten seconds and after it was gone everything came back up technology wise my my tv was playing normal again morgan came back on the phone the only thing that was different was that I was standing up and Morgan came back on and saw me on FaceTime and went, what, uh, what happened? And I was like, uh, uh, I, uh, and I like could not speak. I was trying to like put into words what I just saw. And she goes, Cody, you, you, you look terrified. You look like you just saw a ghost. What the hell is going on? And I was like, I think I just saw a ghost. So, um, I ran upstairs. I, I at that point I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm sitting in my bed. I'm going under the covers. Ghost ain't gonna touch me under the covers. <laughs> so I run upstairs and I hide under the covers. And I didn't hear anything the rest of the night. I, I stayed on the phone with Morgan for a while after that, and I was I was just petrified. So I told my grandma the next day, like, hey, I saw this thing happen because um, my family, we all lived. I, had, I lived with my grandparents, my aunt, my my dad, my stepmom, my brother. So we had a pretty big family in one house. And um, I talked to my grandma about it the next day and she was like, OK. So that explains a couple things. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I keep feeling like someone's watching me, too. And I was like, this is not normal. Why didn't you at least give me a heads up? You know, we watch these shows together. You could have warned me. <laughs> and um, she said, all right, well, I'll do some research for you and we'll see what we can find. So I'd say maybe about a week later, um, she had been back and forth to the library a few times and it had turned out um, the house was built in the 70s. So it's not like it was that old of a house. But um, somewhere in the late 80s, early 90s, um, a woman had hanged herself in my dad's room. Um, and when I kind when when she was telling me about it, I was like, OK, so is this is this person like upset with us like we're doing a lot of renovations on the house right now and we're doing like all kinds of work outside maybe she just doesn't like what we're doing and we kind of relaxed after that we we just kind of didn't want to piss it off any further so we finished up what we were doing in the house and then i'd say a few more times after that there were a couple handful of instances where um like I, I, I play guitar um, and I had my guitar hanging on one of the guitar hooks and it was just me and my family watching another Red Wings game downstairs or something. It was a movie 
Um, I don't remember, but all I remember hearing was this very loud strum on a guitar, which was weird because everybody in our family was in the living room and my room was upstairs. And I went, is one of the cats or one of the dogs fucking around with my guitar? So I ran upstairs and I checked. Guitar was still ringing. It's an acoustic, so it, it, it's not unreasonable for it to ring for like another 30 seconds if it gets hit hard enough. And I looked around and I was like, hey, did anybody come into the room and just smack my guitar? <laughs> and everyone downstairs was like, no, we've all been down here. You saw us. And I was like, that's super weird. I don't like that either. But that was months after. So we had little instances of stuff like that go on um, from time to time um, in that house. And I, I think I do think it was the lady who had hanged herself. But I have... You know, I have really no solid proof of it. That's just the only death we had accounted there. So that was that was the only thing I could ever attribute it to. But yeah, that's that's the house I grew up in. That's my little my little hometown house story. Yeah, it was nuts. And your whole family is pretty much open to all this stuff. I mean. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they they. especially because my grandma's always been very spiritual and aware of these kind of things they're always very open to talking about it that's so encouraging to hear i mean because you know so many of us usually have you know we're the only one um you know you tell your parents they try to shut it down or you tell your brother or sister and they tell you you're crazy that's uh that, that's mm-hmm. a that's a great environment for you to have something like that happen and and then be able to actually talk to your family members about it and no oh, definitely i think we brought that up a little bit earlier in the discord earlier in the week how we were really grateful that people just are like so open-minded in the discord too because you go out into the real world after like especially for myself growing up in that kind of a family and you just start talking about it like it's normal everyone looks at you kind of weird and you're like why am I the weird one here? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are the ones that are being skeptics. You guys are the weird ones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's a that's a great story. I still get goosebumps. Did anybody ever try to look into Well, I mean, obviously you found that there was a death in the house, but did you like ever um try to look back at at that woman's past or find anything out about her um we tried but we couldn't find much um they didn't have a lot of documentations on the people it was really just like a couple news articles from the death from when it happened and that was about it that's a great story All right, my friends, that's it for tonight's show. I hope you enjoyed this snapshot of what Friday Night Campfires on the Discord server are like. As I've said, we have a lot of fun with it, and we don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, But again, it is a reflection of the show, and it is a safe place to come tell your stories in a little bit different environment. Please make sure to share the show with others whether it be friends, family, co-workers, however you can do it, 
please share the show and don't forget to like us on facebook and instagram both at uncomfortable podcast 65 and if you've had an experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show please contact me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com thanks for tuning in this week and as always stay uncomfortable my friends (laughs) 